This morning as you came in, you picked up a communion cup. And I want to ask you to, if you did not get one, go get one. Uh, take it out. Take it out. We'll take communion toward the end, but I want you to get it out. Have it. Have it. And just put it in your hand. Just keep it in your hand during the services. Got a few down here for those over there. I want you to just kind of keep it out and keep it in your hand as a, as a visual reminder as we talk this morning, as we think about the sacrifice. Communion is, is a remembrance. We do this in remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us. The choir sang beautifully how, how thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, what you did for us. Thank you for the sacrifice. He took our place, y'all. Guys, he took our place. We had no hope. Where in the world would we be if it were not for what Christ did? Jesus took the punishment that you and I rightfully deserved. I, I do it regularly. I had the kids a couple of weeks ago in summer camp, and, and I put one of the little guys up here on the, on the stage, and, and she was standing there, and I come down, and I, I'm like, who died on the cross? Who? It was Jesus that died on the cross, but who deserved to die? It was us. Y'all, it's Jesus who took the place of every single one of us. We should have suffered. We the liars, we're the cheaters, we're the stealers. The Bible clearly says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's us. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, and we're all whosoever's. Communion is for the church. Communion is for those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord, who have cried out in for forgiveness and cried out and, and said, Jesus, you are my all. Remember, uh, Jesus looked over and asked the disciples and Peter and said, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, John the Baptist and a prophet. And, and Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that Jesus is your Christ, he is your Savior, that he is the Son of the living God? If you've got your Bibles, got several different places we're going to go to this morning. We're going to start over in James. You know, all this is true. Keep, that, keep the communion cup in your hand. Keep it in your hand. You can do it. Keep it in your hand. Turn over to James. You know, in the middle of life, life God never promised life would be easy. Sometimes life throws you a curveball. I said earlier, we're headed into the most predictable season of the year. The next four and a half months are really the most predictable, the most calendared, the most planned out. We know where most of everybody will be on Friday nights. We know where most people will be or what they'll be doing on a Saturday. Sunday, we're here. Uh, you, got, you got October comes, rolls around. You got Halloween's and fall festivals. Then you got Thanksgiving. You got Christmas. You got Black Friday. You got shopping events. You got all of these activities that are going to be happening. And we, we put it on our calendar. It's all planned out for the rest of the year. You're already making plans for when family comes over, whose house you're going to. We're going over to this house for this Thanksgiving and this house for Christmas. you got it all planned. But you know, sometimes life happens. And our plans and our calendars just gets turned upside down. You ever wonder where God is and all that? He's right there. He never leaves us nor forsakes us, y'all. James chapter 1 says this, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials or temptations, knowing that the testing of your 
faith produces endurance or steadfastness. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, one of the questions, why do things happen? Why do bad things happen? Why do difficulties happen? I I didn't have this one planned. Nowhere was this on my calendar. I didn't see this one coming. Scripture teaches us that we're to count that joy. Because what God does when He saved you, He justified you. He stamped you clean. He stamped you my son or my daughter. And from that moment on, we begin to grow. We begin to be made into the image that God desires us to be. He, he, he takes away the junk and He makes us more like His son Jesus. And He uses life. He uses situations. He uses sickness relationships he uses this thing called life so much so that we're to count it all joy when you face various trials when temptations come when those struggles come when those landmines hit when those trips happen when those things that yeah that wasn't on my calendar he's right there what's in your hand you feel it you feel that you feel that? You know what I do when I go to the dentist? I put something in my hand. It's crazy. This is a side note. I hate dentist. If you're a dentist, I love you. I hate what you do. Because it hurts. It's, it's like, you know what I mean? I always have something in my hand. I do. I have something in my hand so I can, so I can pinch it and I can... I, it's kind of crazy, so it can like hurt or something. And this is what I lay there and I pray the whole time, whether I'm gassed or not. I tried to gas, that's crazy. This is what I say, Jesus, you took the nails, I can take this. And I just constantly say that in my mind. Jesus, you took the nails, I can take this. Jesus, you took the nails, I can take this. Jesus, you took the nails for me. I can take this. You took the pain for me. You took the punishment for me. You took the wrath of God poured out on you for me. I can take this. Nobody plans for those things to happen. Nobody plans for those events in life to happen because we have it scheduled out. But life sometimes throws us a curveball. and God allows it to, to conform us. The scripture says, count it all joy. Look over with me. Turn a little piece back. First Peter, First Peter chapter 1. Beginning reading there in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven For you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Listen to this church. In this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable. Even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see Him but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation 
of your souls. If necessary. You and I who have been brought from death to life. You and I who were on a path headed away from God. God found and redeemed and made His very own through the sacrifice that Jesus made. Guys, it's not through baptism. It's not through church membership. It's not by being good. It's only by what Christ did. It's only by what Christ did that you and I are redeemed. And life happens to us. And trials happen to us. And guys, sometimes we forget He's there. Sometimes we forget He's there. Turn over with me. Turn over to Mark. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I was on vacation this week. You're like, why are you going to all these places? I was on vacation this past week, and I'm sitting there watching um, the sermon last week. And I'm just crying down the place. I'm just crying as he's telling that story about when he had a heart attack and that girl got saved. I'm sitting there just crying. You know I was crying? Because y'all were getting to hear it. I was. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. They get to hear that. Yes. I mean, I was tickled to death. I was just overwhelmed. I'm like, they're getting to hear that. That's awesome. I don't want them to miss nothing. Me, a little old bitty messed up preacher, crying. Not because of the story. Praise God. God uses the difficult times in our life. God puts us right where he wants us. But little old bitty me was crying because y'all were getting what God has for y'all. Imagine what God wants for us. Imagine what God wants for us. That's why we count it all joy when we face various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance, steadfastness. It produces in us, if necessary. God does things inside of us. But here's the deal. In our programmed, in our scheduled, in our, in our planned out life, sometimes it's easy. I'm telling you, sometimes it's easy to lose Him. Sometimes it's easy to just, where are you at? Sometimes we don't even think about it. He's like the last thing that comes to mind. We've posted on Facebook, we call a friend, we call a doctor, we call somebody, and then when we're, woe is me, we, Lord, help me. Where is he at during all that? Mark chapter 4, verse 35, on that day. When evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. I can tell you with all assurance that until God takes you home, what he's telling each and every one of us right now, when I'm sitting here talking about here we are in the middle of August and we've got basically four and a half months left in the end of the year, he's basically saying, hey, you, come follow me, let's go. Until he takes you home, he's saying, hey, come, hey, you, come follow me. That's what he's telling the disciples. He says, let's get in the boat. Leaving the crowd, verse 36, leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with them. And look at verse 37. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. We're going, Lord. We're doing what you told us to do. We're heading in that direction, Lord. And notice where Jesus is. There's somebody needs to hear this this morning. Your boat may be 
filling up right now. Your boat may be filling up right now. And you're doing everything you can. You're throwing weight off. You're doing this and you're doing that and you're wondering. Where in the world is Jesus and all this, preacher? Verse 38, Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on a cushion. He's sound asleep. He's, he's not rattled. He's not shaken. He's in control. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Church. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You and I serve the God, the same God that can step out on the bow of that boat and say, Hush, wind, settle down. It's the same God that you and I serve today in whatever rockiness you got going on in your world currently. He's right there. See, that's the problem. He's... We know, this, we know this right now. Because you're telling me. And I feel it and I sense it and I get it. But what about when we're off this hill on a Tuesday afternoon at 3.30 when it happens? Or Friday night after a game and it happens? You know where he's at? He don't change. He's still there. He's still there. There's another extreme. There's another extreme. Go over to, go over to John. I'm sitting there thinking this week. Uh, I was thinking. I told you I was on vacation, and we I had a lot of thoughts. Read a lot of the Bible, and I just sat out on the on the water, and I had the Bible out thing, and I'm I'm listening to it, and I'm set out. I'd get up early, and I'd listen to I listened to James a bunch this week. But you know, in our programmed and our planned out, and our it, it, it's easy to do something. There's another danger. There's something very dangerous can happen here. Chapter fourteen. We know chapter fourteen of John. Look at verse. Look at verse eight. Jesus and Philip have a conversation that's very important. Now, you've got to realize the context here. You've got to know the context. Jesus has finished his ministry. All right? Jesus here has told them, Hey, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He's basically telling the, his disciples that, Look, I am leaving. I am, I am headed. My work here is done. I'm headed to Jerusalem. I'm headed to the cross. I'm headed. My, I'm headed to it is finished. And think about this. By this point, Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's, he's healed people. He's walked on water. He's healed the people of, that were blind. He's brought Lazarus back from the dead. He's been ascended. I mean, the, 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 not ascended, but the transfiguration. All that. They've seen and heard all of this stuff. But notice what Philip says. Philip said to him, Lord... Show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you? 
And yet you've not come to know me, Philip. Everybody look at me. Have I been with you so long and you don't even know me? I want the heaven to build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. I don't want hell. I just want, I just want heaven. I've been a Christian for a long time. I, I got saved at 9. I got saved at 7. I got saved at 19. I got saved all way on, but... And this Jesus who loves you and will never leave you nor forsake you and cares for you and has. That is a sad question he asked Philip. Have I been with you this long and you don't even know me, Philip? Have we been walking together for this long? Have I been right there with you this long and you don't even know me? You don't even know me. Church, we celebrate in Christ. Think about this. If we're not careful, we can spit the facts, virgin birth, Mary and Joseph was his parents' name, died on a cross, had thieves on the right and left, buried in a tomb three days, rose again, barred tomb, Joseph of Arimathea, started ministry at 30, parents lost him at 12, circumcised on the eighth day. You don't even know me. Intimately know me. You gotta show me something else. Do something else. Show us the Father, and it'll be enough. Have I been with you this long and you don't even know me? Have I carried you through all the trials and the, the various temptations and the ups and downs and the roller coaster of life, and you're sitting here saying you don't even know me? out one more rabbit and that'll convince me how much more church do not be that way what else does he have to do what else does he have to do he never leaves us nor forsakes us he's right there with us this little this little it's just a little wrapper and a plastic with some juice and a little wafer on top but it symbolizes represents the Savior of the world. And the blood that was shed and the body that was broken and destroyed there on Calvary and the wrath of God was poured out on Him there on Calvary. And the programmed and the predictable, I know what's going here and here and here and here and here. It's easy to just church. I gotta ask you this question. How's your walk? We're about to take communion in just a second. 
It may, be the, it may be the trials, it may be the necessary trials, it may be those trials that we count as all joy, it may be the temptation, it may be the hurt, it may be, it may be all of that stuff that's just, just blinding and distracting and, and tearing your attention in all these different directions and you miss Him and you don't even see Him and, and it's like, who are you? I ain't got time for you. Paul tells us to examine ourselves before we take the communion so we don't take it in an unworthy fashion. Been walking with him a long time. It's just, that's just Jesus over there. That's just, hey, you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. How's your walk? Well, I, I, I love Jesus. How's your prayer life? Don't pray much, but I love Jesus. How's your Bible reading? Well, that Old Testament, I don't understand it. So I just kind of get buried in it. But I love Jesus. Church, repent. Repent. I don't say those things to, to, to condemn. I, I say those things, listen. I say those things because there's a man who Jesus is one of his very own chosen disciples, Philip, who saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And he looks at Jesus on his way to Jerusalem and the cross and says, Jesus, show us one more thing and then we'll see the Father. And Jesus, like, have I been with you this long and you don't even know me? So don't think for one second that this is irrelevant or out of place. It's easy to just get accustomed to him. It's easy to just, oh, that's just. I want us to pray. I want us to pray before we, before we take this. I want us to pray and I want you to, maybe you could be so caught up and listen, the waves could be beating your house right now. The waves could be beating into your life. The struggle, listen, your struggle is real. I'm not standing here telling you that it's not real. I'm not telling you that pain is not real. I'm not telling you that disappointment is not there. I'm not telling you, I'm not downplaying it all. But what I'm saying is you're not by yourself. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. And the devil wants nothing more than for you to look at, look at the, the pain and the trial and the temptation and say, woe is me when Scripture clearly says, count it as all joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith, God is working through it to to bring you out the other side. More Christ-like than you are right now. You may be that one that says, you know what? I, I, I'm, I can kind of relate to Philip. Preacher, I can really relate to Philip. It's just... I know facts, but I don't know Him. I know information, but I don't know Him. I want us to pray. Just right there where you are. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Father God, you, you see us, Lord. You see us as we sit here this morning, as we celebrate Christ Jesus, as we celebrate 
what he did for us. We celebrate his life. He didn't stay dead. We serve a risen God. But Lord, here we are. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Forgive us for missing you and losing you and getting all carried and caught up and worried and all that. When you, You're not shaken, God. You're down. I love the detail. Down in the stern of the boat on a cushion. You're comfortably resting. You're not shaken. God, give us that calmness. God, I pray that if we're one that could relate to the Philip, God, forgive us. Lord, you've given us, we've got access to you. You've given us your spirit. You've given us yourself. And Lord, we are just lazy in that we don't pursue you and run after you. You tell us if, you, if we knock, ask, come seeking, God, you'll open the door. You'll answer. You can be found. You tell us you're close. You're right there. You're not going to leave us. And Lord, we are lazy. God, forgive us. God, we a bunch of whosoevers that you sent your son Jesus to die for. We, for, we repent, Lord. We repent. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for grace and the wrath. Jesus, you took my wrath. And I praise you and I thank you for it. God, help us. Help us be what you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we, we're going to take this little cup. And as Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And here we get an opportunity. Take your cup and tear the little bitty piece of plastic off the top. Little plastic. Be gentle. Tear it back. Here in August 2022, we get to celebrate. We get to remember. We get to recognize and praise this Jesus. This Jesus that on that night got up and made supper for the guys. And he passed that bread around and we get to celebrate that this morning. We do this in remembrance of him. In the same way, it says he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Very carefully, very slowly. Gently tear it back. It's just juice. Nothing special. But symbolic of the greatest sacrifice the world has ever experienced or ever will experience Jesus shed his blood for you so that you could have forgiveness of sins we do this in remembrance of him